0: In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to our very first mini-sode episode on Smack My Pitch Up that we're tentatively titling The Shortlist. And for those of you unfamiliar with Smack My Pitch Up, normally we go and I have a guest on and we reboot, remake, reimagine, sequel, sidequel, and adapt some of your favorite and least favorite properties. But on The Shortlist, I wanted to have an opportunity to have, with guests sometimes, without guests sometimes, a chance to come up with some original content. You know, it's so much fun to play with other people's toys in their sandboxes and figure out what these movies and shows are going to look like with, uh, other people, uh, playing in that sandbox with different actors, different directors. And it's a ton of fun. And I'm really happy that we get to do that on the show, but also having conversations about castings and directors and new ideas. We've played around with the idea on a couple of previous episodes, the, uh, Summon All Monsters episode where we mashed up a bunch of uh, the classic slashers together and then turkey-fying different movies that were not meant for Thanksgiving. We've played with the idea of kind of doing our own ideas for movies. We've done Hallmark movies before. So I really wanted an opportunity to have a mini-sode, a different episode that is dedicated to really creating original fan castings for original ideas. So every other week moving forward, if it works, if it does not, then I'm happy to go back to just the same original format that we know works of every week. But we're looking at doing the regular Smack My Pitch Up every week and then the mini-sode of the shortlist on those opposite weeks. So let me know what you think. I really am interested on how you respond to this new format and this new mini-sode format that we're doing. Because ultimately, as much fun as this is going to be for me, if you don't want to hear my dumb ideas over stuff that is original content, then that's fine. I'm not going to be heartbroken over it. I'll, I'll do the Ruby's and Rubies you've come to know and love. So giving this a shot and please absolutely hit me up on social media. The Geeks Under the Influence hotline number 804-505-4484 uh, to leave voicemail or a text. Email us, put SmackMyPitchUp or the shortlist in the subject line at geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com, or just hit us up on any of our social media. We've got Twitter, we've got Facebook. We are thinking about getting an Instagram for "Smack My Pitch Up," but we're more than happy to talk to you. Let us know. So as far as how everything's laid out, it's relatively similar to the original show format where I'm going to give you the idea, uh, some of the plot points. And then inform the tone and kind of what we're going for with it. Um, I guess what I'm going for with it on this one by deciding directors and actors to be part of this property. So for this one, I wanted to do something Thanksgiving themed as we are getting into the Thanksgiving holiday. And we had the Turkey Fied Movies episode was the last one we did. I wanted to have one that was specifically meant for Thanksgiving that really played with the themes of Thanksgiving. and. Yes, I am open having conversations about the fact that Thanksgiving itself is a terrible holiday that celebrates uh, a lot of false things, like incorrect history in America. I understand all these things. I am not talking about celebrating the lie that is being talked about during Thanksgiving. I'm talking about just what, almost unconnected to that story, people have come to know and appreciate about Thanksgiving, which is really just togetherness, community, family love, support, and understanding, and also hitting on the facts that families don't always necessarily get along too well, and really hitting on that. And because I'm such a genre whore, I couldn't exactly just do this as like a Hallmark movie or something, you know, some sweet straight-ahead dramedy uh, with loving people in the modern day, learning how to figure out things, you know, that aren't really that big a deal in the first place. I had to make it post-apocalyptic. So for your listening pleasure here, I have some uh, insights into a movie pitch for the film The Last Turkey. The basic overview for The Last Turkey is a mother and a son are enlisting the help of an estranged family member to help them track what might be the very last turkey in the wastelands. Um, now, the way I want to kind of discuss like the post-apocalypse in this version is not really even get into the reason for it. There might be allusions to it but i don't want to i want it to be kind of just a generalized apocalypse i don't want to really focus on the apocalyptic aspect so much as that whatever dangers there were out there in the world that uh, caused this whole problem are pretty much subsided and there's just rubble in in the wake there's not a lot the, growing stuff is very difficult and so people are able to grow fruits and vegetables and such but it's relatively low yields because the soil is kind of bad and that water is hard to come by. And, you know, even wild animals are harder to come by. A lot have died. So food is scarce. Water is scarce. Resources are scarce. People are kind of hiding in their holes and their shelters and uh, staying away from roving marauders and even neighbors trying to basically hoard what they can to get by in this really dangerous and, and rough climate. You know, the the apocalypse without the apocalypse part, you know, that, that has gone by. People are now just trying to recover. The earth is trying to recover. It's a time of stasis after this major event. And here's this mother and son that enlist the help of a grandfather or the, the grandfather of the son to track what might be the last turkey in the wastelands. Uh, the grandfather is, you know, formerly before everything went to the shit, was a hunter, went turkey hunter uh, hunting on the weekends, uh, took the boys sometimes. Even the mother um, growing up did some turkey hunting, but of course he is like top notch. So when legend is told that not too far from the neighborhood, there were, a, was a sighting of a large wild turkey, the son who had never really, doesn't really remember any traditional Thanksgiving meal, doesn't remember sitting down with the family, thinks this is a perfect chance to get in touch with grandpa, who he knows was a turkey hunter in his, in his days and try to go after this last turkey. And the mother, of course, is no. She has real issue with her father and doesn't want to be in touch with him. He doesn't live too far from them, but they've been at odds ever since everything went down. It's alluded to and will be discussed a little bit later in the movie that she kind of blames him for her mother's death. So her, her father, she blames for her mother's death when all the shit hit the fan. And this will be leaning on the, the common trope of he's not really responsible, but he was there when she died. Everything's going crazy. He was not in control of the situation. She died. The daughter blames him, even though it's not really his fault. He kind of blames himself too. So he's kept a distance. And so there they are, the world coming to an end and still not willing to kind of engage in that family element due to previous issues with each other. Now, she decides to push this aside because her son's never had a Thanksgiving. He's got nothing really to live for at this point. He's getting to an age where he's, you know, early teenage years. He is uh, really trying to figure out who he is and what he wants and have direction in life. And there's not much to go for. You know, there isn't really any community anymore in where they live. Everybody's kind of huddled up together in their their little nuclear families and not spending any time with each other. This really relates to what a lot of people are dealing with right now coming into the holiday season with not being able to see people that they normally would want to see, everybody being kind of separated from each other, even being so close. And I wanted to kind of mirror that in the story, that there, there's something keeping people away. And in, in this circumstance in the world, it's COVID, but in this story, it's more resources uh, that are keeping people, you know, that trust has dissipated, that people just don't really want to show their hand on what they have available. So everybody's just kind of keeping to themselves and doing their own thing, which I think is something that can very easily be seen with the polarization that's happening in the world currently as well. So considering all this, the mother, who's Helen is her name, she decides that she's going to swallow her pride and she's going like, to push down her feelings that she has about her father, uh, the grandpa. Uh, Bill is his name. And they're going to go on a little adventure. And of course, Bill, feeling guilty, feeling like he owes something, begrudgingly agrees to go on this wild turkey chase, as it were. And they traverse the wastelands. And in the midst of that adventure, they start to discover the things that they missed about each other. You know, grandchild that misses his grandfather and vice versa, that there's this relationship that had been established and then is torn away years ago. And it's like falling back into old habits and him having like a, a, male figure to look up to that can teach him survival tactics. And it's not like that mom is useless. She's been able to teach some of that herself, but just to be able to have a, you know, male figure to look up to as well is you know, helpful at the very least. And so as things start to warm, there's that overlying thing that is holding them back. And then that's when, for the first time since it happened, Helen and uh, and Bill sit down and discuss the passing um, of Helen's mom, you know Bill's wife, and it is just a matter of circumstance. It's pretty clear that there was nothing that Bill could have done at the moment. It was just a you know a circumstance that occurred while the world was coming unglued, and he did what he could and still couldn't save her. And begrudgingly, you know, Helen listens and realizes that and then they have a real beautiful moment of kind of forgiving each other and forgiving themselves and uh, really developing that relationship again. And I know this is coming off way more sticky sweet than I normally do, but you know, I think here's the thing. There's so much cynicism. There's so much darkness that's going around in the world. And I'm not going to discredit that at all. There's a lot of very important conversations being had. There's a lot of very important things that are happening in the world. And not all the time are those conversations going to be pretty, but it is nice sometimes to have a story that you can lean on that really talks about some of the values that we all see as important in our lives. And that's community and family and respect and tolerance and understanding. And, you know, the, the things that we try to remember on holidays like Thanksgiving, that oftentimes because of the stresses of the holiday, people forget because of the holiday. Um, uh, this one, I am being a little bit more heartfelt than I usually am, but I really do genuinely want to have more of these stories just to remind us not, not because it's realistic, not because that's the way that things are supposed to be. No, this is definitely kind of a, a look at the best case scenario out of a bad case scenario. And, you know, but sometimes those are good things to have. So as the family unit is getting repaired, um, Liam the son has a grandfather again, you know, Helen has a a father and Bill he's got a grandson and a daughter that now they are in great spirits, they have repaired their family unit. And as that's happening, of course you've got to have the raiding marauders in like Mad Max style gear that they have to like hide from and and run away from and the kid gets taken And then grandpa has to save him. And then you have that moment where it's a similar situation to how his wife died, but it's the boy and working together with Helen, they were able to save Liam from the raging raging marauders. And therefore it's almost like this cathartic healing moment of having that same situation happen again and being able to have things work out a different way. And it's, it's beautiful and it's tropey. And I know it's happened in a million movies before, but fuck it. This is a holiday film. Finally, they reach this pasture, this area of woods that there were reports from somebody traveling through their area that they had seen an actual turkey, and they go hunt, and grandpa pulls out his hand-carved turkey call, and he's doing his thing, and he's like smelling the ground and dropping the leaves and watching the wind blow him and all the cool little hunter things that you see in movies, and they finally come across this turkey, uh, that's far away and then th- that's when they realize that it's not one turkey but it's two and it's clear that they are mates and that they are they have bread and that there will be more turkeys and at that point a uh, uh, bread or are breeding maybe they walk in as they're fucking who knows maybe that's the racy part that's what makes it pg-13 is turkey fucking but they realize that if they kill either one or both of these turkeys, then they really might be the last turkey. And they decide to, even through all the troubles they went through to get there, it makes more sense to leave them be and let them kind of exist and grow and flourish and be a family than to uh, destroy it for the needs at that moment. And of course, you're seeing just a repetition of the same topics over and over again in different ways. And the real beautiful value that this comes from is that as they're away and they're going to hunt for this Turkey, the word spreads throughout their little neighboring community that does some light trading with each other at best. There's no neighborhood store. There's no like community gathering spot, but people do trade their goods when need be in order to get by and word spreads that the, that family is going after the last Turkey. And so people are really excited, wondering what they can trade to get a piece of this Turkey. And so when the family comes back into town, several people come out of their shelters, their areas to question about this last Turkey, you know, and this is right around Thanksgiving. This is the perfect time for anybody to just get a piece, just a taste of this last Turkey. And of course the family doesn't have it and they don't really explain why. And they're, they're kind of bummed about it. They feel like they're kind of like disappointed people. There was so much excitement about they're still being a turkey and they kind of go and do their own thing, you know, and they, they start to get food together. And then as the community is out, they start talking about, well, uh, you know, I, I was so excited about the Turkey that I figured, you know, even if I didn't, couldn't afford a a piece of it, I was going to make some mashed potatoes and somebody else going, well, I did, I did uh, yams and then conversations about all these neighbors that did different dishes. And they decide as a community, you know, why not just, potluck it and stuff is dragged out into the streets, uh, tables and chairs, makeshift chairs and as the family is in their home, you know, doing their thing, you know, the the grandfather's over checking out the house for the first time since everything went down, they hear a ruckus outside and it's the community coming together and now this part I really wanted to have it kind of mimic um, the idea of a classic uh, folklore story called uh, Stone Soup and if you're unfamiliar with it The basic gist is that this community is kind of in the same place where everybody has their stuff and they're not willing to like help each other out. And everybody's kind of being protective. And somebody comes and puts a rock in a pot of water and starts cooking it. And somebody says, you know, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm making stone soup. I don't have any food. So I'm just going to make soup out of this stone. And somebody goes, well, you know, I have some carrots I can throw a couple carrots in there and somebody else says hey you know I've got other stuff that I can throw in and this goes on until there's this like hearty stew that's going with all these different vegetables and chicken and meat and all sorts of stuff in there that's on this nice rolling boil sound smells delicious and then it's just passed out to everybody that contributed and everybody's able to have this delicious soup that they wouldn't be able to have otherwise um and it's really kind of a a parable about you know being part of a community and being willing to share and being willing to, you know, reap the benefits of collaboration. And so that's what I want the, the community to be doing with inspiration brought on by their hunt for the turkey. Maybe they mentioned that they're going to be giving some of the turkey to the community uh, for goods that they need or something to suggest why people are so excited about it. And then at the end of this story, you've got this grandfather and his daughter and his grandson all sitting next to each other, and this makeshift post-apocalyptic Thanksgiving meal with neighbors that hadn't really been around each other more than just to trade in years, finally sitting down and being able to laugh and tell stories. and Somebody starts playing music, and it's really a story about not just the, the last turkey being able to remain alive, but it's also the first Thanksgiving in this new world for a lot of these people. Uh, And I I think that's as much as it is a genre piece and it's post-apocalyptic and, you know, it's hitting on a lot of tropes. You know, tropes are there for some reason sometimes. It's because they're important reminders that we need to give ourselves sometimes about what's important or just the the way of human nature sometimes. And I think especially this holiday season, as we go into having much smaller gatherings or no gatherings at all, or whatever you decide for your and your family's safety, it's kind of important to remember that even when we aren't around that community, when we aren't able to be around each other, we still do have each other. Unlike the apocalypse in the store, we do have many means of getting in touch with each other via social media, uh, through virtual chats, phone calls, however you want to do it. And hell, even maybe just finding an outdoor venue that you can sit far enough apart where it minimizes any kind of issue uh bringing your own food there's there's ways to do it that aren't the easiest always and aren't even the most preferred methods but given the circumstances they aren't that bad compared to what it could have been even 20 years ago with the pro- progress of technology what we can do now it's so amazing what could be done and i like the idea of a story that talks about a community coming out of hiding coming out of of being isolated and uh and hidden away from each other and uh being untrusting of one another Uh, a community that i see a lot of parallels with now with what's going on in the world and having reason even if for a day to find a real appreciation for their community and the people that they're surrounded by and and their families and taking a break from all the the fear and hatred and paranoia and just being able to sit down and enjoy a meal together because more than anything else in human existence, sharing a meal is really one of the most bonding things you can do with your fellow man. And that's why it's so important culturally around the world is because it's something that yes, we need to do in order to live, but it's also a real moment to come together uh, for a thing that bonds everyone together that we can be so wildly different from one another, but we all got to eat at the end of the day. And so it is really the great unifier food always has been. And so no matter how you spend your holiday season this year, uh, no matter how challenging or, or unchanging it is for you uh, this holiday season, Uh, Going into Thanksgiving, I hope that you get a chance to at least touch base with the people in your life that you care about and that care about you. It's more important now than ever to take into account those things. You know, it it's scary out there. It's weird, and sometimes something as simple as having a good conversation with with a a family member or a friend that you're at odds with for one reason or another to remind you that it's okay to just enjoy the moment and not let everything else break you down there's plenty for us to be upset about on the day after thanksgiving but hopefully just for a day we'll in a in as safe a fashion possible be able to uh just kind of let go of that and and remember kind of the important stuff the 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 reasons why we all know each other in the first place so that's my smushy, mushy, mushy little addition to uh, the this new format on Smack My Pitch Up. I promise you it will not always be this mushy and uh, a- attempts at insight or whatever the hell this was. But, uh, oh, it would be nice, actually, if I casted this a little bit. So I went into the story so much. So the mother, uh, Helen, it's got to be a strong, take care of herself, take care of her kid kind of attitude. And I thought... Kobe Smolders would be a great choice for that. If you aren't familiar with her, she was on How I Met Your Mother. She was uh, Sam Jackson's right-hand woman in all the Avengers movies. Uh, great actress, and I think has that kind of independent tone to her, that she can take care of herself, she can take care of her own, and I really needed that for Helen. For Liam, having worked with this director before, which I haven't even talked about the director, I got Jacob Tremblay uh, from Doctor Sleep from Wonder and the Predator, um, the director is Steven uh, Chbosky, who directed Wonder, directed Perks of Being a Wallflower, wrote the screenplay for Rent, uh, created the series Jericho. So, if you wanted to know why I picked this director, it's because not only created the show Jericho, which is about a post nuclear world uh, where nuclear attacks happen all over the United States and it's this community trying to survive afterwards, but then also perks of being a wallflower, which is like coming of age and realizing, you know, relationships, how they are and who you are and wonder as well, which has kind of the tone that I'm looking for with this movie, the last Turkey. So, uh, and also did the screenplay for the live action beauty and the beast. So he's got totally all sorts of things that I needed for this story to be told correctly. And then finally, I've got two choices here for Grandpa. Both, I think, would do a really good job. My first choice, my shortlist choice, on the top of my shortlist, from Whiplash and Juno, I wanted the grandfather to be somebody that could be kind of hard, you know, hardened and curmudgeonly, uh, but has that turn that as everything kind of like warms up, he can get warm as well. He can be inviting and friendly. And you can understand that he's he's still a curmudgeon at heart, but he's still got this warmth to him, to the people that he cares about. And J.K. Simmons could do uh, that in spades. He would do an absolutely fantastic job. And then uh, my second choice here, if Simmons is uh, unavailable, another amazing actor um, that you may have seen from uh, Wonder as well, working with this director for Grandpa Bill, I got Mandy Patinkin, who I've been a fan of forever and can do Pretty much whatever he wants, as far as I'm concerned. I, I love that actor tremendously. So that's my casting. That is my director. That is my movie, The Last Turkey. A story of a family estranged coming together to try to find The Last Turkey and instead finding uh, their way back to each other. So that is my contribution to your holiday season. If you like it, please let me know what you thought about The Last Turkey. If uh <laughs> if you are anyone with any level of power of production or what have you, uh, go ahead and hit me up. I mean, I'll write a script if the money's there. So, uh, if you have ideas on what I could do on the short list to change the format or other ideas to play with, as far as uh, new movies or TV shows to cast on here, let me know. Also, if you want to, suggest any movies or shows that we should reboot or remake on Smack My Pitch Up always interested in suggestions so hit us up on our social media at geeksundertheinfluence at gmail.com with Smack My Pitch Up or the shortlist in the subject line or at 804-505- 4484, that's 804-505- 4GUI for our hotline for texts and voice messages. I'm Mike the Hobbit and you just got Pitch Smacked. <laughs> GUIPODCAST.COM podcastcom Coming straight from the mouths of Madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. Hey guys, Scotty Big Daddy Preston here. That's right, The Geek Father, asking you to join me here every other week with friends and family of the GUI Network. As we go through all the trials and tribulations of being a geeky parent. So remember, join us or cry.